We live in interesting times, actually crazy times. Uh, we can see in our world today just the, the darkness of wickedness. Uh, it, it, you don't have to read very many papers. You don't have to watch very much on Internet, YouTube, whatever source of, uh, of information you get. It is very disturbing. And I firmly believe the Lord's return is very close at hand. Very close. And I was just at a conference in the United States in Chicago. Uh, that's, that's where we left from Chicago to Ohio for the, the wedding. And I was disturbed to hear, not, not by delegates in the conference, but just how much there has been a huge turning by Christianity towards the Jews. Uh, these these pastors were telling me in, in sessions and individual ch- uh, chats and things how Christianity and, ch- and churches in, in the United States were saying, you know, they have a very negative view, a very horrible view of the Jews. And that's not right, folks. And uh, and I know what happened here in Canada, too. I, I'm, I'm not uh, ignorant of that fact. But often we see these things start in the United States and they kind of spread other places. Uh, in the realm of Christianity. And uh, so the reality is, I, after hearing these things, like, you know, I need to really preach a message about this. I don't know where you're hearing things either. Like, I, I'm not mind control guy, okay? I don't control what you hear and things. You're, you're adults. You need to, you know, what you hear, you need, it needs to be filtered through the Word of God. Amen? That's what it needs to be filtered through. And uh, I, I really, as I heard these things, uh, the Lord really impressed upon my heart to preach about this. This is what... This was not what I was planning to preach today. But after hearing those things last week and the Lord working on my heart, this is definitely laid in my heart. And uh, let me just say that you cannot believe everything you hear on YouTube or the Internet, folks. Okay? Again, filter it through the Word of God. All right? And just see what the Word of God has. And So obviously, I cannot dive into every aspect of Israel this morning. But I want to look at some things about Israel. So it gives you a good basis if you don't have one. I think you have already, but if you don't, this will firm it up and help you go further uh, to understand about Israel. So Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get uh, thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee, I will make thy name great, thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray as we come this morning to your word that we would focus upon it, Lord, calm the the busyness of our minds. And I know we live in a busy world and we have much to accomplish But Lord, help us to calm our minds and to focus upon what you have for us. Help us to see the truth. There is much deception. Help us to see the truth from your word. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. So first of all, we see here, Israel is a chosen people. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and there's other verses that mention as well, but this is known as the Abrahamic covenant here. Okay? Uh, his name is Abram right now, would later become Abraham. 
Uh, he's being called out to begin be, to be the beginning of the nation of Israel. The, he promises to make Israel a great nation, right? Uh, in verse number two, uh, he talks about uh, their name great, make them a blessing to the nations of all the earth. This covenant has not ceased yet. This is yet to be totally fulfilled. And this is one of the things that's being taught by other churches right now. That's why I want to bring to your attention, this has not, it's not done yet. Alright? Uh, it's, I know Israel's gone away from the Lord. We'll look at that in just a little bit as well. But this is still all to happen. But you know, the reality is, you've been blessed by the people of Israel. So I'm going to ask for a show of hands when I mention some things here, okay? Uh, so first of all, who here has ever played the game Guess Who with your child or played it yourself? Guess Who, you know? Thumbs up? You know, I have a beard? Okay, you know, type of thing. It was made by a Jewish individual. Everybody go, Pastor, come on, it's a game. It gets better, okay? Uh, Waze, the app on your phone that helps you get around the GTA. Anyone heard of that one? All right? It's developed by a Jewish individual. Okay? USB. Yeah, all of us use that. Jewish individual or corporation was involved in creating that. The uh, Jewish researchers have pioneered uh, uh, medicines and Parkinson's and MS. Uh, they have developed the smallest camera in the world. So small now that they can give it to you in a pill form and it can help people who have digestive issues. They can find where there's a problem. That's pretty amazing. All right? That's a blessing. If you have a digestive problem and you need to find out what's going on, that's a blessing. All right? Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of the uh, drip irrigation system, uh, but it's really important in Israel and other very hot places. Yesterday was too hot for me. I'm not complaining. I just lived in my basement, okay? I didn't complain, but I could not handle that all the time. But in places that are hot like that all the time, very little water, drip irrigation has been a game changer created by a Jewish individual. David's sling, it's part of a uh, system of, uh, they call it the Iron Dome. You probably heard that on the news or whatever. Uh, it has saved thousands of Israelis and thousands of foreigners, protected them. So, Nobel Prizes, I mean, I, I don't necessarily agree with everything they promote and things, but they award it to people who they've made contributions in different areas, uh, science, medicine, uh, peace prizes as well. So 900 of them have been issued since the beginning of the prize system. 20% have been issued to Jewish individuals. So the Jewish population is a quarter of 1%. So that doesn't really make sense with the uh, percentages, right? Uh, The Lord has blessed them. They've been a blessing. Their inventions have been wonderful. Uh, uh, Hey, you know what? This week, even if you didn't use any of those other things, I hope this week you've read your Bible. You know, every author... I mean, I understand God used human hands, but those human hands were Jewish hands that wrote our Bible. Hey, they're not to be hated, folks. They're not to be hated. Uh, the reality is, that's amazing. Now, I know some may say, well, we don't know about Luke. Okay, he might be the one exception. But everybody else, we don't for sure there was a Jewish individual. And the inventions are great. Uh, the, the protection is great. The games are amazing. But that's not the blessings that's being referred to here in Genesis chapter 12. The greatest blessing to all the families of the earth is Jesus Christ. He's the greatest blessing. 
And he's a blessing to all the families of the earth. Because through him, we have salvation. Amen? It's because of that line, Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came. Uh, he came for every person on the earth. Because every person on the earth is a sinner. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. No one is perfectly sinless. You know, I don't even meet very many people anymore to say that they're perfect. At one time, I guess, I guess us Newfoundlanders are a little bit more proudful and say, no, no, we're perfect. I met lots of folks like that in Newfoundland. But uh, the reality is all of us are sinners. We have all missed the mark. We have, uh, we have not hit it. We have not achieved it. And we cannot achieve it. That's Romans 3.23. And because of that, there's a penalty for our sin. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. Everyone dies physically, we know that, but this is a reference to spiritual death. And a spiritual death is the understanding that once you die physically, spiritually, you go to one or two places, it's heaven or hell. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior because of those wages, hell, by the Word of God, is your destination. Good news is Christ died for you, amen? But God committed His love toward us, and while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible is saying that Christ came into this world. He took uh, uh, the place of our sin. He, he took it upon Himself when He died in our place. He was our substitute. He is our Savior if we will accept Him. That's what the Word of God tells us. Who can be? Uh, you can be saved through faith. It's, it's for everybody. Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. The word grace means undeserved or unmerited favor. Aren't you glad for God's grace? It's amazing. And saved means to be rescued or delivered from the penalty of sin. And the word faith means trust. I found a great acrostic for faith this week. It says forsaking, and it's actually on one of our little things we have here at church as well. Forsaking all, I trust Him. Forsaking all, I trust Him. So it's not, I was heading one way on my way in life, and then I realized I can't trust these things, I have to trust Christ. And you know, in this picture is repentance too, folks. See, the idea of repentance is I turn from unto Christ. Alright, so it's not these plus Jesus forsake, it's Jesus. That's who it is, it's in Him alone. And, and that is how all the nations of the earth and families of the earth are blessed. It's through Christ. And those other things are wonderful too. I'm thankful uh, for those advancements and all those other things. It's great. It's wonderful. But that's the blessing. And you know what? We're supporting missionaries today all around the world who are telling the families of the earth about Jesus Christ. So we're, we're actually involved with telling the people about the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, we're not... Jews, and we don't believe in Judaism, we believe in Jesus Christ, amen? But we're telling them about Jesus. We're telling them. So they're a chosen people. And because they're a chosen people, they are a hated people. They are a hated people. Now this portion of Scripture in Genesis chapter 12 tells us that there's going to be some who uh, curse them. There's a lot of them today. There's a lot of people who curse them. You know, And the reality is, Satan took notice of this when the Lord, when God told Abraham, he took notice. He didn't take long for him to connect the dots. He's back in Genesis 3.15, so it's after Adam and Eve have sinned, 
Jesus Christ, or God, I should say, tells them, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the first mention of a coming Savior. Someone who will redeem them. And the idea is that Satan takes notice. This is through the line which will take place. Now, I love history. I'll be honest, when I went to Bible college, I really thought that's what I was going to do, teach history. I love history. This, this to me is amazing. I love it. I enjoy it. And, you know, again, besides the Lord calling me to other plans, I probably would have pursued it. I have not read of another nation that has been repeatedly assaulted and lost his nationhood and then returned to it like the Jewish state. I've not read of it. And I'm 40, almost 43 years old, and I've read a lot of history books. I haven't found one yet. It's unheard of, actually. And actually, you know what the word that was been used? It's miraculous. It's miraculous because God's in control, folks. He has a plan for these people. And, and Israel has been assaulted so many times, and I really believe these assaults have been energized by the devil. Now, he has stirred up this hatred. He stirred up this anger against Israel. So look over in Exodus chapter number 1. Exodus chapter number 1 and verse number 8. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and come to pass that when they fall out, fall out any war, they join, unto, join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them out, up out of the land. Down in verse number 16. And he said, when he do uh, the office of the midwife to the Hebrew women, and he see them upon the stool, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. So a new pharaoh comes to the scene here in Egypt. I really think, uh, if, you, if you've done a little bit of history uh, and read it, and you might have, I have, I really believe there's been a total regime change here. These are new people who are in charge now of Egypt. Uh, and they don't want to remember Pharaoh or uh, Joseph either because these are totally, totally new people. And these individuals get in place not knowing Joseph, and they fear the Jewish people because they see outside forces that Israel could side with. That, that's, their, that's their rationale. That's their excuse to do what they're doing. You know what excuse is, right? Skin of a reason, stuff with a lie. Now, I don't believe there's any indetention that we have no record in the Word of God that Israel had any animosity towards Egypt. Then he makes a policy, Pharaoh along with his men, make the official policy of Egypt to commit genocide. You know what the word genocide means? It means a deliberate and systematic extermination of a national, racial, political, or cultural group. So if you kill all the boys in a group of people, you will receive genocide. Because you will totally wipe out. I mean, sure, you let the girls live, uh, but they will be mixed with other cultures. Eventually, the culture will be gone. 
So he didn't go out and hack them all to pieces because he needed them to build their infrastructure. They're slaves. We think there's probably a couple million Jewish people at this time in Egypt. So, you know, there's a lot of babies being born. Talk about wickedness. I mean, that is the height of wickedness. And this was decision was based upon love? No, it was based upon hate and fear. That's what this decision was based upon. Once you fear someone, and it's no problem to hate them, and some it's not hard once you hate someone to kill them. And the Word of God talks about that. If you hate someone in your heart, you've murdered them. And the idea here is that these guys hate them so much they were to kill them. And the hate was so much they kill innocent babies. It's despicable. It's heartbreaking. All because of hatred. Now the Lord providentially uses Moses to bring the nation of Israel. He uses plagues. Then he would use death to see them released. And miraculously they go across the Red Sea, not the Reed Sea. Okay? The waters open up. And the children of Israel, maybe a couple million of them, walk through. Why is that so hard for us to believe? We believe God created this world with His mouth. Why is it so hard for the waters to spread open and the children of Israel go across? It's not hard. It's a piece of cake. I mean, the Lord can do it. It's not a problem. And so they go through that, and once they get through it, you know, Pharaoh and his armies are following, and they're destroyed. And they head on towards the Promised Land. Now, the Promised Land from... Uh, what we can see, what's described in the scriptures, would include parts of Egypt, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, all Syria, Jordan, and Lebanon. You know, if I say that in some churches, I probably get uh, hymn books thrown at me. That's pretty sad. That there's such a hatred for the Jews, for the Jewish people. That's that's where they were going. That's what God's promised them. Look over in Esther, chapter number three. So God, that this is the first genocide against them. Esther chapter number 3. I mean, Egypt was bad, but this is this is even crazier. Uh, Esther chapter 3 and verse number 8. And Haman said unto King Azarias, There are certain people scattered abroad, dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore, it is not for the king's prophet to suffer them. If it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed. And I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasury. And the king gave him his ring so he could make this law. So Haman comes to the king Azurus, king of Persia, seeks permission to destroy the Jews. This wasn't like Egyptians who said, let's just kill the baby boys. No, this was, let's kill them all. Let's kill them all. Let's set a date. And we're going to massacre them all. We're going to slaughter them all one time. So, <clears throat> I mean, this king, as you I mean, he needs to give his head a good shake. I mean, he just willingly gives over his king and his ring and says, yeah, let's do it. Doesn't ask who the people are. He just pans over. Let's do it. And the king's for it. Now, I don't think that it hurt uh, Haman's cause because he said, I'll pay you 10,000 talents of silver. I mean, money still talks, doesn't it? That's a lot of money. That's millions of dollars of money today. He said, I'll give you that. And you know why he said that? It's because well, all those people are going to die, so the treasury is going to be depleted a little bit, but I'll pick it up. I'll pick up the tab, king. 
What a wicked man. What a wicked man. Uh, we don't know exactly where his hatred for the Jews became, came from. Now, we do know that he was thoroughly angry at Mordecai. Because Mordecai wouldn't bow to him. Now, talk about a really horrible reason to genocide a whole people because one would not bow to you. I think there's a whole lot more to it than that, but that seems to be the breaking point for him. He would not. He would not. I'm important. Have you ever met someone like that? I'm important. Bow. That's how more, uh, this Haman guy was like. I, I, I can't wait to meet Mordecai. I'll be giving him a high five. Psh, way to go, buddy. What a wicked man. He doesn't deserve the bowing part. No way. So Mordecai's that straw that broke this guy's back, and he, this, I mean, I think he's a psychopath myself, but he flipped out. And he flipped out so bad, he said, I'm, he flipped out so bad that his wife said, let's build gallows to hang him in the backyard. I mean, talk about wicked. I mean, sick individuals. Again, God is in control. He's in control. Look over in Esther chapter number 7. So previous to that portion, chapter 3, Esther is picked as the new queen. Now we get to chapter 7. This is unfolding. <clears throat> Mordecai tells Esther, Hey, you're, you're here for such a time as this, young lady. You're here for such a time as this. And she builds up the nerve to tell the king. In uh, Esther chapter 7, verse number 6, and Esther said, the adversary, the enemy, is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. So before he gets to that, she tells the king there's someone trying to kill her people. And he says, who is this? I'll take care of this. He's right there. Right there. The gallows constructed for the Jewish individuals were not used to hang Haman and his sons. You know, Jews still recognize this today. It's, uh, I believe it's called Purnum. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a holiday in Jerusalem to this day. Because they recognize that they were saved. Uh, the, the, the king could not actually overthrow his laws because that was the way the Persians did it. So he wrote another law saying that you are to protect the Jewish people. The Jewish people are to gather themselves together and to fight. And he tells his officers and things to protect them and things. And those who were opposed to Jews, they were slaughtered. There was thousands killed. Why try so hard to kill the Jews? I mean, this is twice. Two, two situations in the Word of God. Hundreds, hundreds of years apart. Why? Well, the Messiah has not yet arrived, has he? If the Jews were destroyed and no Messiah is coming, God's plan would be ended and Satan would gain the victory. So nobody here would disagree with what the Bible has told us, right? Because we know this word of God is true. All right? So we know this happened. We don't have any disagreement. The next point I'm going to bring to you is not found in the Bible but today in our world is gathering a whole lot of steam and it's very sad to see Christians getting involved with it. And that's Germany. The Holocaust. 
When Adolf Hitler became the Chancellor of Germany in 1933, he began, began immediately, he already had in his heart anti-Semitic, he despised the Jews, and he began it. In November 9th and 10th of 1938 is known as the Night of the Broken Glass. That was a major event in Germany because at that point, it then became officially sanctioned to do violence against the Jews. Up until then, it was a lot of laws. The laws, you know, they had no protection from the laws. It was economic sanctions. It was hard living. But now it turned to toll violence and being shipped off to camps. Yes, concentration camps are real. All right? I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, I'm a little upset to hear that Christians are believing that that did not happen. And I'm going to give you some evidence in a moment. From what I researched, and again, uh, from my background is love and history. I've read it. I've seen, I've seen pictures of it. And I'm going to give you at least five perspectives. This is not made up. There was at least uh, 24 major camps where, where individuals, and it wasn't just Jews, Roma, you know, individuals, uh, Roman, or not, not Roman, Roma, gypsies, Jehovah's Witnesses. Listen, I don't believe what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe, but they didn't deserve to die like they did. All right, those who had disabilities. I mean, it was horrific. It was disgusting. German, Germany committed, the Nazis, uh, genocide of six million Jews. And I totally believe it was energized by Satan and by hatred. I'll be honest, I did a lot of research this week, and there was a couple nights this week I didn't sleep so well. It's disturbing. The evil that was recorded. Wickedness. And there's one image that I will not remove. It was not a picture of a dead body or anything. It was a picture of a nine-year-old boy who two months later died at the hands of the Nazis. That's my boy. My little guy in that picture. It's real. It happened. It angers me to hear people to say it didn't take place. And it goes beyond anger almost with me to hear that Christians would say it never happened or they try to minimize the seriousness of it or the scope of it. Let me be very forthright. It happened. It was wicked. And I say, well, Pastor, you weren't there. And all, there's not very many witnesses. That is a bunch of lies. I'm going to give you some witnesses right now. Okay? I'm going to give you some witnesses. And there's no way that these witnesses, because they're all across the globe, there's no way they could get together and say, well, let's make up this story and let's make up this story. So, you know, before the war, the world knew that the Germans, the Nazis, were against Jews. You know that? Absolutely they knew. And it's sad to say, not very many countries cared. I'm ashamed of Canada. Didn't take any more Jews. Actually, I have a book at my house that says None is Too Many, written by the Jew Canadian perspective of the Jews at that time. None is too many? That's despicable. There's only two exceptions that I found. One was Dominican Republic. They wanted some people, come pioneers, to help them in farming and things. And the other one was the Filipinos. Now, they tried to rescue 10,000. Now, unfortunately, the world, the world, uh, world war broke out before they could get 10,000. 1,600 made it. And they never had to face the concentration camps. But most of the world turned a blind eye to what was going on. So, 
I, I don't know if you've looked at the map recently, but the Philippines is far away from Germany, isn't it? It's a long ways. The Filipinos knew what was going on in Germany. I almost want to become a Filipino after I read that this week. How do I get signed up? You know, I couldn't believe it that that's the only two nations I could find that were willing to do anything. And the Filipinos at that time were still administration of the American government, so they weren't an independent country as they are today. They couldn't take as many as they wanted because the individuals that could take had to be able to take care of themselves financially. I'm like, wow. So here's a couple of countries that saw and they said, well, come, we'll try to help you. So during the war, that was before the war. During the war, just recently I went to uh, Holland and I went to Harlem. And Harlem is a place uh, the, the Boone family, Corrington Boone's family lived. And they were hiding Jewish families and individuals from the Nazis as they were rounding them up. I was in their house. I saw what they did to hide the Jews from death. Don't tell me they didn't do it. Don't tell me. And the reality is, a lot of the Cory Tim Boone's family died because they helped protect the Jews. So don't tell me it didn't happen. Uh, I don't know if you knew about this, but uh, when the Germany uh, invaded Denmark, you know, they kind of viewed Denmark as like second cousins or first cousins. They didn't really bring their, their whole influence on that country like they did in Poland and Russia. But as the war be- went on, they tried to influence and, and, and bring their laws in about racial discrimination, about taking the Jewish people away. The Danish government at the time, when they found out this was going to happen, they shipped out 7,500 Jewish people to Sweden to save them. So why would a country do that if there wasn't something bad happening? Denmark is a long ways away from Philippines, isn't it? Yep, sure is. So is Holland from the Philippines. I was just recently at a wedding. I uh, was at a wedding of a couple of young people uh, from Dutch descent. Met their grandparents and things at that wedding. And they're from Friesland, which is the northern province of Holland. And they told me how their parents hid Jewish people in their cellars to help them escape. It happened. It happened. After the war, as the war was concluding, the Allied armies started liberating these death camps. And when General Eisenhower heard about it, he went. Now, again, I, I'm a historian, so some of these names, I've read so much about them. I know about them personally in the sense of their character. We've got another guy by the name of Patton. Anyone ever hear of Patton before? All right. He was known as blood and guts because he would fight like crazy. He wouldn't even enter the camps because he knew it was there and he, was, he didn't want to be sick. He was afraid of it. Whatever the case, he was so disturbed by it, he wouldn't go. Now, he never said it didn't happen, but he, he couldn't stomach to go. Eisenhower went and he was utterly shocked. He made the local Germans go to those camps to see what the Nazis did. And then he made the POWs of the Germans to go see what the Nazis did. And then he took the American troops that weren't on the front line to go see what was done. He called for the senators and congressmen to come and see what was done. You know why he did all that? Because one day they will say this never happened. 
I never thought it would be in my day. That Christians would say it never happened or minimize it. That was some made up number. And that's five different nations I mentioned and gabs of people. There's no way that they got together and made some secret pact as these conspiracy theories make up. Nazism and Adolf Hitler at their height and their desire was to wipe the Jewish people off the face of the earth or Europe first and then the world if they won. Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm pro-Israel. I'm absolutely pro-Israel. I'm opposed to anti-Semitic and anti-Zionists. Now, that's a newer word, anti-Zionists. So it means to be opposed to Zionism. I mean, obviously, that's what it means. The term is broadly defined in the modern era to denote opposition to the political movement of Jews to self-determination within the territory of the historical land of Israel. Now, listen, folks. I don't agree with everything the Jewish government does. I don't agree with everything the Canadian government does. Nobody here does. If we do, we need to chat after, okay? We just, we just won't. Because they're sinners. We're lost. We make bad decisions. And sometimes they're wicked decisions. But I do not oppose the state of Israel. Hey, God miraculously brought them back. He has a plan for them. I totally support Israel's right to govern and to protect themselves from enemies from within and from without. Absolutely. And I'll never, personally, neither will I ever mention and think that it's a great idea to boycott products and produce from Israel. Because if you start down that line, you're not going to be able to buy anything. So that's not going to happen. So that's the past. That's the past. That, that, that happened. Egypt happened. Persia happened. Nazism happened. And the extermination of Jews. Aren't you glad that's not the end of the story? Because God has a plan. That's my third point. Again, there's all these kinds of strange and wacky doctrines out there right now concerning Israel and the church. And uh, I don't uh, personally, neither does our church, hold to a replacement theology. So that means church is Israel instead of Israel being Israel. Folks, the Lord's not finished with Israel yet. He still has a plan for her. Yes, Israel went away from God in a huge and massive way. Absolutely agree. Read the Old Testament. You see it. Right? If you haven't read the Old Testament, you need to read the Old Testament. It's just not the New Testament. The whole Word of God's for us. Amen? Read it. Get in it. Yes, went totally away. Absolutely. And she's away from the Lord right now too. Absolutely. But God has a plan for her. He's not done. The book of Revelation tells us about that future. Uh, and I'm hoping in the next little while, not this year, but maybe next year, we're going to look at Revelation in the church. Like what it is and study through it. The first three chapters are an introduction and describes to us the seven churches. But after that, it switches to the future. Seven churches aren't here with us anymore. That was in Asia Minor. They've ceased to exist at churches. And in the future, listen, I know the Antichrist is there and, uh, and the false uh, prophet and other folks, but Israel's right in the mix, folks. 
He's the church is gone. We're not here. Hey, remember the beginning of the message I talked about? I can't wait for the Lord return. I hope it's soon. We go. We're not here during the tribulation. The tribulation, the Bible talks about we will be saved from the tribulation. Well, that's the rapture if you have not passed away. I'm, I'm voting with the rapture. Amen. That's where I want to go. But the reality is God's plan is for Israel in the future. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians, we're not going to turn there, but this is in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 to 17, gives a vivid description of the rapture. Now, I know the word rapture is not mentioned. I know it's not in the Bible. But being caught away is. And that's the idea in that portion of Scripture. Uh, so this, uh, for those who accepted Jesus Christ, before the rapture, they're taken away. And in the presence of the Lord, we will be. And if, uh, the rapture is like, uh, who here has ever run in, in track? few of us? Okay. Remember the starting pistol? Bang! And you're off. You didn't stick around, right? You were gone. The rapture, bang, is the beginning of tribulation. After the rapture, the tribulation begins. And look over in Revelation. We're going to look at a few points in Revelation. There's no way we can look through everything. That would take months. Uh, but I just want to look at a couple of key ones or things that came to my mind. Revelation chapter 7, we see 144,000 Jewish evangelists. It's not the church. It's Jewish. And I heard the number of them that were sealed, and they were sealed 144,000 of the tribes of the children of Israel. And he goes through Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, uh, Manasseh, Simeon, and Levi, Issachar, and Zebulon. It goes through all the tribes. Okay? In verses uh, 4 to 8. The Lord seals these 12,000 young men from the 12 tribes, that, and they make up the evangelists. They are Jewish men. They're not Gentiles. They don't represent the church because the church is gone. We've been raptured. We're in heaven. We're in glory. Amen, amen. These are Jewish men. These are Jewish men. This is literal. This is not figurative. Uh, we need to be careful. We Again, this is the reason why I encourage you. I know other people do as well. Get in the Word. Know what the Word says. Because you, you, know, you know how liars work. You know, these false prophets, they give you a little bit of truth. Just a, because you, Maybe it's like a little hook. Just to grab you. And then away you go and all these other crazy things. Know what the Word of God says and know when it's literal. Know when it's figurative. Uh, you know, this is literal. This is what it's saying. Uh, this is not the 144,000 the Jehovah's Witnesses teach about. Okay? This is not that. Uh, no, no, no. It's seen in a number of scriptures that these men fan it across the globe. They preach the gospel. I believe they preach the Jews. They tell other Jewish people about who Jesus Christ is. That's what I believe. Isaiah chapter 66, you don't have to look there, but you can look there later. Right now you don't have to. Isaiah 66 verses 19 and 21 refers to that. That these men go out. And they win people to Jesus Christ. People get saved. And Paul makes it clear the day is coming when Israel shall be saved. Romans 11:26, And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. 
There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. I believe these men aid in that ministry. They tell them about Jesus. They preach and God protects them. Because you know the Antichrist, the false prophet, the whole system, the world system, they, they're not giving these guys free air miles, right? They can't stand these guys. But God protects them. And He watches over them. And they, they are effective in preaching the, uh, the, the reality of the gospel. Uh, they're mentioned again in Revelation chapter 14. Again, all Jewish individuals, not Gentiles. This does not represent the church. Because the church is God. We are raptured. In Revelation chapter 11, uh, we see the two witnesses. These two witnesses appear. That's, that runs through the whole chapter. I'm not going to read it all, uh, but that's where you'll find it, the two witnesses. Uh, and they appear, uh, they appear. They're granted great powers to shut up uh, heaven, stop the rains, turn water into blood, strike the earth with plagues. God gives them great ability. For 1,260 days they preach. And God protects them. Man can't do anything to them. Uh, then, and they're, they're saying, repent! Repent! The King is coming! That's, that's very similar to the message that the prophets preached of old to the Jews, wasn't it? Absolutely. Because these are Jewish men. Uh, we know for sure that one of them is Elijah because he's protected in Malachi chapter 3. And I believe the second one is Enoch because he never died. Uh, that, I might be wrong in Enoch, but that's fine. You can tell me when we get to heaven. You can tell me this afternoon too. But these are Jewish men. And they preach. And they preach, repent. The king of Israel is returning. I think other people get saved. I think Gentiles get saved. Yes, absolutely. But their, their focus is on the Jews. Then look over Revelation chapter number 12. You know, Satan tries one more time to destroy Israel. And this is during the tribulation. So chapter 12, verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon with her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great dragon having seven heads and seven and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And the tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman and was ready to be devoured, ready to deliver and to be devoured her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man, child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God. And there, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So this is, some of this uh, portion is referring to the past. Okay? There's no doubt about it. Uh, the woman is Israel. Without a doubt. The twelve. You see the significance of twelve? Twelve tribes? Okay? This is Israel. And the, the, the one that was to be born, the rule with iron, you know who that is? Jesus. He's going to rule the nations, amen? He's absolutely. And we know that Satan tried to kill Jesus after he was born too, right? Herod, that wicked king was used. So that, some of this stuff is in the past and is a reference to uh, the war in heaven where Satan was cast out. That's referred as well. But in verse number 6, 
we see uh, that they that the Lord protects Israel for the last half of tribulation, that 1,200 and three score days. He supernaturally protects them. Now, I know some people say it's in Petra. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. It really doesn't matter. God's going to protect them. It could be right here. He'll protect them. But God's going to protect them in the wilderness. This is definitely a reference to Israel during the last half of tribulation, which is described as Jacob's trouble. And she flees in the wilderness, and again, the Lord protects, protects her. Now, Satan desires to eradicate the Jewish people. That is his desire from the face of the earth. That's why anti-Semitic activity is up. And I mean, it's way up. I was reading a report yesterday. 89% of Jews in Europe feel threatened. There has been like 25-30% reports of hate crimes against Jewish individuals in Europe. That's significant, folks. It, it, Satan is stirring it again. Now, a long time it was pretty quiet because of what we saw what took place in, in Germany. You know, but now it's on the rise again. Uh, Satan is stirring up his stuff. And I, and I don't understand. And there's actually a name uh, for the theology that the church replaces Israel. And it's called supersensation, uh, sessions, supersessions. Uh, so that is a growing theology in mainline denominations. And it's absolutely wrong. God has a plan for Israel. You know what? One day, all Israel is going to turn to Jesus. They're going to serve Him. At the end of the, at the end of the seven years of tribulation, He'll be Jesus will come. He'll He'll be Israel's king, and He'll be the king of the whole world. Revelation chapter nineteen, verse eleven, sixteen. He will destroy the armies of the Jews. Who is going to Armageddon? <coughs> all those who want to see the destruction of the Jews. Because the church is not here anymore. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you here? And it's not me trying to tell you. It's what the Word of God says. Amen? It's what the Word of God says. They're going to the battle of Armageddon to destroy Israel, and He destroys them. He destroys the enemies of Israel, and Christ will rule and reign in New York City. That's good. Some of you are reading your Bible. Now, who rules and reigns in Jerusalem? In Jerusalem. For a thousand years, Zechariah 8.3, Thus saith the Lord, I am returning to Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. And the nations of the world will come to Jerusalem and worship the king. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. The new Jewish nation will worship the Lord. As they should, absolutely. And the Lord will be glorified. The Lord has planned for Israel. Some of it has already occurred in the past. We have, we read it, we see it in scripture. Jesus Christ came, did his work, uh, of, on the cross. He died for men, took the place, rose again. Salvation is provided for all that will come to him by faith. And again, I, I, I can't emphasize how disturbing it is to see the rise of anti-Semitic activities. It's disturbing. It's wrong. It's evidence of the hatred of God's chosen people. And why would God's chosen people be hated? Because the Satan, the enemy, is against the chosen people. 
Hey, folks, we should never spew hatred, the hatred of Satan on Jewish people. It's wrong. Even if they were not God's chosen people, and they are, it's wrong to spew hate about any people. Now, we're to show them God's love, amen? That's what we're called to do. Now, we're not condoning sin. We're not, oh, we, we accept that sin. No, but we're to show them Christ's love. All people need to see love of God. Now, I know this is a different message. I don't think I've ever preached a message like this before. But this message should encourage us in some ways. One, understand that we're still here. We can still reach people. Amen? God's got a plan for us. And I look forward to what God lays forth for our church and individually. And we should be reaching people. We should be reaching the Jewish peoples in our communities. We need to be reaching the Gentiles in our community, just like us. There's so many to reach in these last days. And we need to stand for truth. And I'm so glad for a church that stands for truth. I appreciate you, each and every one of you. And this message was born out of our heart that I want to protect you from the lies and the wickedness that's going on out there. Get in God's Word and see what God has planned for Israel. It's amazing. It's, it's marvelous. And the reality is, as individual believers here today, we'll watch these events unfold from heaven. Because in Revelation, it tells us where we are. I, I know the future. In Revelation, it tells us that we'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? That's where we'll be. I don't know if we'll have a place to... I mean, I said we can watch from heaven. I don't know. I don't know if there's a portal to look down or anything. But we'll be with Christ. And God will be unfolding His plan here on earth. Let's be busy about reaching people. Let's be busy about reaching the Jews. Let's be busy doing what God wants us to do. Let's be showing them the love of God.